0: Staying hydrated is important for optimal sports performance, and for decades we've had that area covered by sports drinks. But are sports drinks really performance enhancing, or are they mostly marketing spin when just plain old water will do the trick for most people? That's what I'll explore in today's podcast, along with giving you my personal DIY recipe for sports drink to get these drinks into you on the cheap. The term sports drink generally refers to drinks that contain carbohydrates and electrolytes in specific concentrations. The main ingredient of sports drinks is of course water, which is there to help offset the loss of fluids during physical activity, but plain old tap water can do this too. Keeping hydrated is important because dehydration greatly affects the perception of effort experienced by an athlete. Dehydration also impairs mental function and may interfere with fine motor control and concentration, as well as impairing gastrointestinal function. So it is more the other ingredients in sports drinks apart from water that mostly explain why they can benefit some athletes in certain situations. First, let's cover the carbohydrates. Sports drinks contain simple sugars, or glucose polymers that help maintain hydration and blood glucose and enhance performance. Taking on extra carbohydrate in an easy-to-consume drink is especially beneficial for strenuous endurance activities lasting longer than about an hour and a half, and during intense activities or during prolonged competitive games that demand repeated intermittent activity. Fluid transport to the tissues from beverages containing up to 8% glucose is quite rapid. Most sports drinks contain carbohydrate in the 6 to 8% range, which is much less than a standard soft drink. This is the sweet spot, and pun intended, where you see a fairly rapid glucose uptake in the body as once you get above 8% carbohydrate, that can cause some issues with abdominal cramps, nausea and diarrhea during intense activity. So this class of sports drinks is called isotonic because the concentration of solutes in it is similar to that of human blood. Hypotonic sports drinks are low in carbohydrate and are used more just for hydration, while hypertonic sports drinks are higher in carbohydrates above that 8% level and are more used for post-exercise refueling. As they are absorbed slower, that's why they're not really suited for taking on during exercise. So taking on carbohydrates during exercise can support or enhance performance by two different mechanisms. The first is by providing extra fuel for the muscles, especially in endurance events. And the second mechanism is by a mouth-sensing benefit to the brain and central nervous system. Just swilling carbohydrates in the mouth for 5-10 to seconds is enough to stimulate reward centers in the brain to make the athlete feel better and reduce the perception of effort and enhance pacing strategies. This mouth-sensing performance-enhancing effect of carbohydrate comes into play in shorter events. Of about 45 to 75 minutes in duration the carbohydrate in sports drinks also contributes to their palatability which makes it more likely an athlete will drink for athletes who prefer the flavors of sports drinks over water it may be worth paying for the good taste to replace lost fluids as a side note here athletes who have short or long-term goals related to body weight for either weight restricted sports or where body weight to power ratio is important in their sport, then overuse of energy dense fluids, such as sports drinks, may create problems for excess energy without a lot of long term nutritional advantage. The other key ingredient in sports drinks are electrolytes, sodium being the main one. Sodium makes up over half of our extracellular fluid, so we do lose quite a bit of it from sweating. The theory is that sports drinks can help replace this lost sodium. Most physically active people though do not need to replace the minerals lost in sweat immediately. A meal eaten within hours of competition replaces these minerals quick enough. Though some athletes who are particularly salty sweaters may benefit more. The sodium in sports drinks also helps to increase the rate of fluid absorption from the GI tract and maintain plasma volume during activity and recovery. The sodium content of sports drinks also encourages fluid intake by driving the thirst mechanism while also increasing absorption and fluid retention. Sodium concentrations in the range of 10 to 25 millimoles per liter enhance the palatability and voluntary consumption of fluids consumed during exercise. Now sports drinks with higher sodium concentrations are there to target the replacement of sweat electrolyte losses with greater effects on fluid absorption and retention so they may be more effective in the recovery phase after exercise. Potassium is another electrolyte added to some drinks but it is likely it has no real benefit considering most of our potassium is found inside the cell. So sweat losses of it are very small. The same here goes for magnesium, which is found mostly inside the cells. So adding this to a sports drink probably does very little, but it looks great to have it on the label. Now a small number of sports drinks also include protein or amino acids at around 2 grams per 100 ml. The case for consuming protein during exercise to enhance performance is pretty contentious, with research appearing to mostly show benefits of protein taken during sport only in the face of suboptimal intake of carbohydrate. So here it is probably protein that is just stepping in as an extra energy source. Then there are sports drinks that have added vitamins and even herbal ingredients in them. This is a clear case of the company's marketing department having been boozing way too much on their marketing brainstorming sessions, as these extra ingredients are seriously unlikely to offer any additional benefit. The only exception would be a sports drink that contains caffeine, which definitely can have performance benefits. So check out my prior podcast, episode number 17, on how caffeine can be used in sport, now, a word of caution here that doesn't mean energy drinks like Red Bull are sports drinks. They have a much higher sugar content than isotonic sports drinks, so, will increase the risk of GI problems if you take them on during sport. Plus, they're also carbonated, so that's another GI issue to deal with. Sports drinks provide a convenient option for simultaneously addressing fuel, fluid, and electrolyte needs. Before, during, and after exercise. Before exercise, they keep the fluid and carbohydrate stores topped up. During exercise, they promote hydration and fueling, which is important in events over 90 minutes. And they also can reduce the perception of effort in short duration events. And post-exercise, they can contribute to refueling goals. But here, other foods and sports products should be considered to provide a more nutrient-dense approach to total recovery needs. Though sports drinks could be convenient if there is limited time between training sessions or competition events. It is not all smooth sailing with sports drinks though, as some athletes report that sports drinks cause gut discomfort or make them feel unwell. So here, practicing fluid intake strategies during training can assist in preventing dehydration as well as helping to overcome problems such as dislike of the taste, mouthful of the drink and GI discomfort. The use of sports drinks with multiple transportable carbohydrates, typically a mixture of glucose and fructose, may assist helping in maximizing gastrointestinal comfort. But word of warning, if you have FODMAP tolerance issues, then these sorts of drinks will likely not be kind to your gut. And there is a really great fact sheet on sports drinks put together by the Australian Institute of Sport Nutrition Team, which I'll link to in the show notes, which will give you all of the research and background, as well as using these sports drinks in your sport. As an aside from talking about sports drinks and their effect on hydration, you will often hear that coffee and other caffeine-containing drinks will make you dehydrated. But how much truth is there to this claim? There is a small kernel of truth to these claims that caffeine can act as a diuretic, but the key here is the amount that you have to have. Early research studies did find that caffeine causes water loss, but the amount of caffeine required is over 500 milligrams. That's equal to 5 or 6 cups of coffee or even greater number cups of tea. Just as one example of the research into caffeine and hydration, 50 regular coffee drinkers had a range of tests to measure their hydration over 3 days. The hydration tests were repeated after they swapped their coffee for water for 3 days. And their food, fluid and exercise habits stayed constant. And after all that drinking and testing... The research team found no difference between the effect of caffeine or plain water on any measure of hydration. The participants, though, were all regular coffee drinkers, so the results may have been different in people who consume little caffeine and very occasionally. But if someone drinks coffee rarely, then any effect on hydration will be fleeting. With a lot of interest in how different drinks can affect fluid balance, scientists have developed a beverage hydration index. The index ranks fluids by the balance between how much the body retains or loses fluid when compared against water over 4 hours. Using the beverage hydration index, there is little to separate coffee and plain water. And the same goes for cola, diet cola tea, iced tea, orange juice, and even sports drinks. They all can keep a person hydrated just as well as water. And I'll link to this research on the Hydration Index study in the show notes. And finally, as promised, if you're looking at doing sports drinks on the cheap, here's a homemade recipe that you can use. To about 80 to 100 mls of your favourite concentrated non-diet version of fruit cordial syrup flavour, which is about 80% sugar undiluted, they check the label, add a quarter teaspoon of salt and make up to one litre. Job done. That quarter teaspoon of salt is about 1.5 grams of salt, which equates to 600 milligrams of sodium, so will give you a final sodium concentration in the drink of about 25 millimoles per litre. You can play around with the cordial flavor you use, the amount of salt you add, until you come up with your perfect mix. If it has the same salty sweet taste, like a Gatorade or a Powerade, then you'll know you're on the mark. So that's it for today's show. You can find the show notes either in the app you're listening to this podcast on, if it supports it, or else head over to my webpage at thinkingnutrition.com.au. And click on the podcast section to find this episode to read the show notes. If you find this podcast of value, then please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues, or maybe even leave a review. This all helps increase the ranking and reach of the podcast, which means a big win. Credible, evidence-based nutrition messages, while helping to delete out the crazy, and making the world a slightly less confusing place. I'm Tim Crow, and you've been listening to think in nutrition.